Good morning, crew. Good to see all of you on this morning. Bit chilly this morning. Anyone getting blasted with the Arctic breeze? Crikey. Bit on the chilly side up here in uh, the GC. Hopefully you're all good wherever you are. Welcome to another Wealth Coffee Chat, folks. Wealth Coffee Chat. It's on this morning. Hey, good morning to Alison and Aaron and Brendan and Deb. Deb, we need to chat. I was flat out yesterday. I'll give you a call after this, Deb. Lee, hey, all the way from Tassie. Good to see you. Our first time tuning in. Welcome, whoever you are, behind the veil, probably probably in one of our groups. So thank you, first time uh, tuning in. So fantastic, or tuning in live anyway. Well, it's uh, sometimes it's a bit challenging to catch it in the morning, but um, welcome. Christopher, haven't seen you online for a while. Hope you're well, mate. Kelly, good morning to you. Great to see all of you guys this morning. Quick overview. Well, quick intro. Most of you guys know this. My name's Jason Witten. If you didn't know, we do a little podcast slash live every morning called Wealth Coffee Chats. Been doing it for a while. Have a cup of coffee at about 10 past eight and talk a little bit about the world of property investing, ideas, uh, experiences, opinions, pontifications, and we see if we can make some sense of this thing that we're doing as property investors. And uh, each, you know, each day, each week, we uh, we uh, see if we can uh, garnish and learn a little bit more than we uh, knew yesterday. I suppose. Uh, been property investing well over twenty years myself, and uh, been helping a lot of property investors across Australia and New Zealand over the last twenty years, twenty plus years actually. Um, there you go. Hey, Jeff. Out the back of Carnarvon Gorge. Oh, Carnarvon Gorge is a pretty cool place. I'm a bit of a rock climber. Jeff, Carnarvon Gorge is one of those places that I, uh, I've visited a few times for climbing. It's actually quite nice out there. Beautiful place. Anyway, bit out in the middle of nowhere, isn't it? <laughs> there you go. Hey, uh, Luke and Anne, morning to you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, yesterday uh, I thought I would be able to go through five models Five investment models that uh, that I've sort of refined and created over twenty odd years coaching well over seven thousand uh, property investors across Australia and New Zealand. You know, trying to crunch a bit of a system, a plan uh, that is teachable and consumable and understandable and not confusing uh, into a process. I thought I could. Uh, I thought I could talk about that yesterday, the five plans in one go. Uh, I was sorely mistaken. So today we're going to do number two and probably number three. Uh, and some of you guys have seen these before anyway, but it's not a bad little way to get a little reminder as we go along and um, uh, have a look at these models, these plans, these processes that uh, can maybe give us some insight into the structure, the why, the when, the how, uh, of what we're doing with uh, investing in property. Certainly, it comes, it's very biased from my experience and my point of view. But what I can tell you is I've spoken to a lot of people and it's, uh, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty common, these conversations. But it's not so common to put, put them in a structure, a process, a way that's easily understood. So anyway... That's what we've been up to. 
do. Well, that's what I've been up to. That's what I'm going to share with you today or continue to share with you today. Uh, the internet's a bit glitchy, uh, but hopefully it's all fine. And uh, let's do it. Let's get into it. Let's continue our little journey down our model system. Yesterday, yesterday, you guys were with me yesterday. We did a little bit of this. We had a look at what's going on when it comes to our property wealth system and the process of investing and getting ourselves organized over a five to 15 year period. You know, decide what you want to do, understand what you're actually doing, you know, make sure you structure it properly, get a foundation in place, accelerate that wealth, um, put it on cruise control, and then, you know, you can exit or you can, you know, double down, triple down, do exciting stuff. That was yesterday's overall big picture conversation that we had. And today I want to go into model number two. Now, you guys have seen this, or many of you guys have seen this, the three stages of wealth. The process we go through as property investors, and let's talk about this in sort of relative terms. This is probably going to be from sort of age 18 to around the age of sort of 70 to 90, okay? 70 to 90 over that side of the fence. Now, for all of us, you know, depending on when we get started, when it comes to our wealth, um, time is the major factor, the major winner, the major uh, magnifier of our wealth. Time is, uh, time is the one. The more time you spend owning good quality real estate, the better your wealth becomes. There's no debate about that. Can you accelerate it and stuff? Yes, you can, but that takes more money and and requires risk. What we're talking about, what I've been coaching and teaching for well over 20 years is the process of buying really good property and keeping it for a long time uh, and, um, you know, minimizing the risk. Most people have got better things to do with their life than think about real estate all day, every day. Um, You know, you've got families, you've got hobbies, you've got businesses, you've got careers, you've got things, but real estate is a great place to park and magnify your wealth over the medium and long term. So let's have a little look at this idea of the three stages of wealth today and how it works. Many of you guys have seen me do this model before. Um, so in the acquisition stage, this is the, the process, the time frame, the stage of Really, acquisition is a fancy way of saying you need to buy some properties, all right? Now, it's a very easy way. Um, yeah, you can, Alison, for sure. Um, yeah, you can. You, absolutely. I've seen some great, amazing results for people uh, starting over, restarting. And sometimes, sometimes a restart from a really fresh... <laughs> Yeah, well, Sonia, you and me are pretty well the same. I think there's a few hardcore all day, every day thing about real estaters on on today. I'm sure, um, but um, you know, we're we're a strange bunch, aren't we? <laughs> but you know, the idea that uh, you know, when you're getting your acquisition phase organised, the behaviour and the things you need to do are different to when you are in lifestyle or legacy phase. And I hear this all the time, you know, like, oh, I want really high positive cash flow in the acquisition stage. Uh, And I think that's flawed for most investors. 
Uh, if you're a very active investor, maybe you know you're you know trading and doing other things, then that's possible. Uh, maybe if you've got a lot of cash and capital, maybe that's possible. Um, you know. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that part today. <laughs> Strange, isn't even close. <laughs> so what we're talking about is the idea of in the acquisition phase, we have we have a, a limited amount of resources often that we need to deploy. What are the two resources? Two resources that we need to maximize in the acquisition phase, team. Um, uh, tell me right now in the chat if you know. The two resources, the two main things we need to be able to get the most out of, squeeze the most out of when it comes to the acquisition phase, the beginning, the starting times of our property portfolio when we are going along. Um, oh, hang on. Let's go back to, I think I, uh, oh, well, there you go. So while you're putting that in the chat, I'll refix this up. Right. So what are we doing here? This is about buying, okay? This is about buying our real estate. Uh, what is it? Time and money, yeah. Um, let's talk about the money, Luke. Let's talk about what it is. Number one, we have to be able to maximize, and let's talk about the money, Luke, maximize the assets, the cash or equity we have, right? And there's two things. There's the ability for us to service debt, okay? Serviceability, maximizing our lending capabilities and um, our loan-to-value ratios, okay? So this is all about an acquisitions, uh, rent and equity. Yes, rent comes in, Chris, and adds to your servicing. So that's where rent comes in. For sure, if we look at this, how do we maximize our servicing? Our incomes need to be stable and high. That's our income, our job. Uh, And when you purchase property, your rents need to be positive cash flow, okay? And that's that's a a very simple conversation, but it's it's very accurate. Your income needs to be solid. You know, uh, I did this, so, you know, um, I thought, you know, I'd bought one investment property and I I was now a legend, so I quit my my job to become a full-time property investor. Uh, this was many years ago. <laughs> How difficult is it to uh, borrow money when you don't have a job? The, the lenders don't care that the property deal's awesome. They don't care. They don't care, folks. So anyway, don't do that. Don't do that. Have a job, a really good quality job in your acquisition phase um, and maximise your loan-to-value ratio. So tell me in the chat right now, what is that? Yeah, lucky it worked out. <laughs> yeah, Shay. Shay had a job. I had, uh, I had uh, a. Uh, what, what were we saying last night, my love? I was, um, I was the gold digger, and you were the, uh, you were the, uh, the worker. wasn't Wasn't that right? Like, <laughs> anyway. So, loan to value ratios. They need to be high. Borrowing at eighty percent will not get you there in the beginning, in the acquisition phase. Often you need to be borrowing at a high, like the sugar mama. There you go. That was it, the sugar mama. <laughs> at, in the beginning, we need a few things. Loan-to-value ratios, 88%. Now, tell me in the chat, why are we borrowing at 88% um, uh, in there? And um, for all of us, we need to um, marry up. There you go. <laughs> 88%. Now, we talk, I talk about 90 
90% lending, not 80% lending as we as we go. But this is about the maximizing this process. Borrow as much as you can, spread your assets wide, um, and buy. Yep, just yep. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yep, lower LMI. That's right. Lenders mortgage insurance. When you hit ninety uh, percent, lenders mortgage insurance gets a bit carried away. So eighty-eight percent, right? Okay, so we need to make sure our income is up, and we need to maximize our borrowing team. Okay, maximizing our borrowing means we're able to spread our value and our wealth across multiple properties and buy our properties faster in this process as we go along. All right, maximizes LMI. That is right, dead right. Lower deposit, less LMI, so less money into a deal, more uh, more gross value that you own. So, if you buy two properties, you might own a million dollars worth of real estate or $1.5 million worth of real estate, but your net value is still the same, like it's small, um, but your exposure to the market is much bigger, much bigger. You've got much more wealth uh, exposure into the market. So if you get some growth, you get some more tax deductions, you get some um, you get some uh, rental increases. So at this point in time, you want to make sure you've got positive cash flow after tax you want to make sure you are doing your PAYG variations, getting your tax back, maximizing your lending, and making sure you are able to maintain that property and increase its rentability, its value um, in the medium to, to long term. As we buy those properties, you know our values hopefully will increase like that over time. We talked about this before. You know this is a fifteen to twenty year window. Um, uh, and along we go, right? So what we do want to understand is for some of us, the beginning, and now this is our capital growth trajectory, what we might have is a negative cash flow or our debts, okay, might do those ones, okay? So we might have a gap over here which might be negative pre-tax and we need to either claim our taxes back or top it up a little bit. You know, if it costs you $10,000 a year to invest in a really good quality blue chip real estate portfolio, um, then that's nothing to cry about in your in your soup, folks. Um, now, many of us can't afford that. That's why we buy the right properties that are positive cash flow after tax. You know, most of us got twenty dollars or $30,000 or $40,000 we're giving away to the government every year and we just get that back and use it to own real estate for the future. We create wealth with that in the future um, as we go. So, you know, what we're looking for, uh, team, is we're looking for when our our gap between our debts and our value, and if we have a little look at this, you know, our rental income as well, our rental income starts to incline or, or starts, to, um, starts to increase. Yeah, exactly, Luke. Right, um, exactly. So th- we've got three things going on. We've got our capital appreciation going on. We've got our debt going on, and we've got our rental income going on. Right. The more time we spend in the market, you know, the more uh, the more upward pressures over time we get. That's you know, that's a function of ownership and time. Like Luke said before, bit of time and money. But in this consolidation phase, what do we do um, in the middle of this phase? Well, we want to make sure um, 
uh, and I, I call it, let's call it renovate or maintain your properties, your properties might need to be freshened up in every seven to 10 years, okay? Now, don't let your properties fall behind in market value. If your properties are now tired and unmaintained, they're going to drop. You're going to be 100 bucks behind the, the regular market for rental income, and that you, you won't create wealth, you won't create lendability, you won't create debt reduction, et cetera, et cetera. So you want to make sure you maintain um, your properties at a good standard, and we've talked about this in other uh, other sections or sessions about making sure you've got buffers uh, set aside. You should be able to collect and keep that money set aside for many years to maintain that property. Listen, this idea of you making five grand a year on your property and then using it for something else, you don't do that. You don't do that. That money that that property makes is for its future and for your future. You double down and triple down on its value. You double down and triple down on its maintenance and you need to accumulate that yearly profit in your offset account or in the redraw facility for when you need to renovate and maintain your property, okay? Um, So anyway, that's not what today's conversation is about, but I'll, I'll probably do a session on that one as well. So you need to renovate the property. Yes, you can start to debt reduce, uh, but, you know, we had Andy Fenton in the other day. Uh, we prefer to um, – is that re- recycle? Anyway, that's recycle, debt recycle. <laughs> you can debt recycle. But which property are we looking to reduce our debts on because they're, they're, um, they're not deductible? Your principal place of residence. Don't reduce debt on your investment properties. No, that is not – uh, a smart move in any way, shape, or form if you still have debt on your principal place of residence, folks, okay, as we get to this section. Now, over here, when we're sort of at this end of town, you know, the three stages of wealth, this is where the le- the lifestyle and legacy comes in. This is where we, we have often a large gap, a large gap of opportunity and value of wealth in our portfolio. Caught up with a client yesterday, folks. Caught up with a client yesterday. He's been a client since 2007, six or something like that. Um, and uh, he's got a great portfolio. Uh, he's got 11 properties. Uh, he's got a property portfolio worth $12 million. Uh, his debt is $4 million. And now we're rearranging where he's at, um, which is pretty cool, which is pretty exciting. He has three hundred ninety thousand dollars, folks. Get like listen to this. This this is why I sort of say, you know, if you just follow the process and continue to do the thing, he's got three hundred ninety thousand dollars worth of rental income coming in every year with his properties right now. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Anyway, I love this stuff. I love it. I love it when we see that stuff come together. Right. So over here, this is where you know this is where it all gets exciting. You know. Um, there's plenty of equity. Sometimes the cash flow is low, uh, and this is where we can talk about you know accelerating and um, and tuning up our uh, tuning up our income. But over here, this is where we start to understand the tax effectiveness and transform in uh, your holding and your structures and your assets into high cash flow machines. We can do that with certain things like, you know, 
uh, equity arbitrage, the income engine, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, again, I thought I could get to number two and number three today, but uh, but we didn't. Anyway, for the rest of the week, we'll continue with the uh, the five models. So tomorrow I'll do model number three. But today we did the three stages of wealth team. Um, and if you joined us today and you missed yesterday, some of you guys uh, joining today, go back to yesterday's live and have a look at the property wealth system that we, we went through uh, yesterday as well. So there you go. Hopefully that was useful. Many of you guys have seen this before, you know, in one way, shape or form. Tomorrow we'll go through the seven property wealth plans um, and how they fit into this stuff um, and uh, make sure we get our, uh, our heads around, you know, the overall models and structures and plans when it comes to our longer term um, uh, our longer term investment strategies. Yeah, Brendan, you know, um, good question. Your investment properties should, over time, you know, increase the rent as well, Brendan, right? So um, most of your properties you should be able to manage pretty easily with positive cash flow after tax, even with interest rates at 5%. Uh, do the math on it because um, and download the calculator. I mean, uh, I did this a little bit a little while ago. When the interest rates go up on your investment properties, Brendan, you actually get more tax back. So it's, 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 a, it's much lower impact than interest rates going up on your owner-occupier property, okay? Um, and um, yeah, listen, at an 88% loan-to-value ratio, most properties are still you know, positive cash flow after tax, Brendan. If you really wanted to tune it up a little bit and have a safety buffer in there, um, uh, there's two things that can happen. Your rents would go up probably about 50 bucks or 100 bucks. Once your rents go up, you know, kind of between 15 and 20% from the purchase price, Brendan, it's it's all over Red Rover for you. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's happy times, right? So good times, the property is going to be self-sustainable, and, you know, you build up a really nice buffer in the offset, okay? Um, if that's kind of bumping along a little bit and you're a bit concerned about it, yes, you could you could reduce the loan-to-value ratio. If the rents weren't going up, Brendan, you could reduce that loan-to-value ratio down a little bit, but don't go too far, mate, because when you pay off investment debt, there's no deductibility, and now you've just got all of that cash stuck. It's stuck there, uh, and it's very difficult to get back out, but... Um, Anyway, that's the overall concept. Sometimes, Brendan, you know, you've just got to you just got to tweak um, individual properties. Sometimes, but the overall plan is, if you have non-deductible debt, the debt that doesn't give you um, any ability to earn income from it, um, or is not tax deductible, then that's the debt you've got to get rid of quicker because it's the one that's just destroying and eating your capacity. Yep. Um, hopefully that makes sense, mate. All good, all good, all good. Um, yes. Well, there you go. Anyway, Wealth Coffee Chat done and dusted. Tomorrow we'll do plan number three or, or model number three, folks. <laughs> Join me then. You guys be awesome, be well. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, this thing's a marathon, not a sprint, folks. And uh, the only way to get there is to buy well and not sell. Not sell. Don't sell. Andy Fenton says sell strategically sometimes, but, you know, that's okay too. <laughs> Bye, team. All right, adios. I'm going. I'm just rabbiting on now. Bye. Bye.
See you tomorrow.